expanding the Nerdosphere, talking about everything you want to hear. From comics to cosplay, from the cinematic universe to fan films and everything in between. It's time to get down and nerdy. Here are your hosts, James Witham and Nick Pataglia. Oh, it's been a long week for us. We, we love it. We're now here at episode 62 of Down and Nerdy. And in case you don't know what we're talking about, first, I'm James Witham alongside. The American one Arm, Nick Pataglia. And yeah, it's been very tiring this past week. It's just we had Taiwan Comic Con this past weekend. We did a two-day live show. And, you know, we were compiling all of our shows together in one playlist. And we stumbled upon that. We did over seven hours of content. We really did. And when we weren't on the air, we were actually, you know, talking to so many great people and so many great clients cosplayers and like we said on the show a million times there were so many creative people that we met young and old so it was very cool exactly there were so many great cosplayers i mean there's two that really stuck out my mind that i want to talk about right now one was steampunk buzz lightyear oh that was amazing and you know i talked to the guy of course he was in character and he says the mock 2 suit is going to have retractable wings and a helmet that goes back which is going to be amazing. It's going yeah. to look. I mean, steampunk Buzz Lightyear. Who comes up with that? You know. Yeah. That's why. That's what made it cool for me. Even if the costume wasn't great, which it was amazing, I'd be like, "Who does that?" Steampunk Buzz Lightyear. And then number two, Steve Rogers. Come oh on. yeah, Steve Rogers was amazing. And as you want to talk about being in character, this yeah. dude was absolutely one hundred percent in character. If you haven't if you didn't hear it, go back and check it out. I'm also gonna point out Mistress Mischief. Yes. Who not just knocked it out of the park day one with her Lady Lobo. Day two, that Harley yeah. was the most perfect Harley I've maybe ever seen. I mean the the suit was perfect. I mean with animated series style Harley. Yeah, and that's the thing is we're what the con we're at all there was a lot of Harley Quinns. If Harley Quinn I think has become for women, what Deadpool is for guys. Oh, cons, no doubt. Yep. There's a lot of them, and they're all pretty much Arkham Ar- Harleys. But to see her, when we saw her, first of all, walking in the classic anime series Harley Quinn outfit, we didn't know it was her. We no, we didn't. honestly didn't. Because she had the full makeup on and everything. Yeah. Until we said, hey, come sit down and be on our show. It's like, again? And we're like, no. The second we heard her voice, we knew who it was. But what did I say? When we first saw her, you know, across the West, and we need to get that Harley over here. Yeah. Because yes. that was the best Harley cosplay. I, even last Highwater Comic Con that we saw. So, in person, that's still the best Harley Quinn cosplay that I've ever seen. Yeah. Other than when my wife dressed up as Harley for Halloween, because that was amazing for me. <laughs> way, way to totally save... Totally other reasons. Way, way to save your marriage. <laughs> yes, thank you very much. I, I think quickly on my feet. But, no, seriously... Thank you so much for anybody that took, you know, even five seconds to come stop by our table. Just pick up a card, something oh, yeah. like that. We hope we're welcoming you to our kind of our regular shows now. This is sort of what we do. And this week, Nick, we're actually going to break down all the finales of the TV series that have been coming out, nerdy TV series. And we're going to rank them top to bottom as well. Yep. And we're including both Agent Carter and we're including Daredevil as well. Yeah. So where are your favorite TV show land that this past season? You know, of course, stay tuned and find out in our main topic because it's I think it's going to be a long topic. It's gonna, You know, all these oh, shows and everything else, it's going to be, it's going to run a little long. <laughs> and we're going to dive into, because we didn't get a chance to review the Gotham finale or the Flash finale. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, we briefly touched, we're going to briefly touch on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., that finale as well. We're going to go through all the finales that just happened and then we'll rank them because if you want to hear our reviews of Daredevil, or if you want to hear our review 
of Agent Carter. You can go back to our previous shows and listen to that. But right now, we got to review a couple comics. We do this every week. It's called What We're Reading. Next, brought to you by Fantasy Escape Comics and Cards on Down and Nerdy. Well, it's that time, Nerd Nerd. That's we pull out those long boxes. It's time to discuss what we're reading this week. And, James, I'm going to go first. So, over the weekend, on opening night, actually, I went to go see Mad Max Fury Road. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to get a review of the movie, but I just want to say... It's better than Age of Ultron. Wow. He just said that on something that's recorded for posterity. Yes. Wow. And so when I saw that Vertigo was coming out with a Mad Max Fury Road comic book based on the movie pretty much. It's a prologue you know, before the movie happens and all the yeah, events. You texted me and you said, I must have this. And I you must have this. You texted me a picture this. of it. I'm like, yeah, well, you know, Bob at Fantasy Escape Comics and Cards is going to be able to get it for you. So, And with that being said, it's... This uh, part of what we're reading is sponsored by Fancy of Comics and Cards and Aragorn Boulevard. Go see Bob and all the great things he has. And so I pick up, it's called Mad Max Fury Road, Nux and Immortan Joe. Now here's the thing. This is a comic where if you haven't seen the movie yet, you won't be lost. However, I think seeing the movie first benefits it because, okay. you get, you could, because you get to know more about the characters in a sense. You know, where Makes here it's... Because going into this, I saw it was about Nux and Immortan Joe. I, that's what let me go, I need this. I want this. And here's the thing. You know, if you read it first, it's, it's, it's one of those things where you can do both. But I prefer you see the movie first just because you get that background already of who these characters are. Mm -hmm. So anyways, it's the whole story is narrated through this kind of historian who pretty much has all these names and moments of history like tattooed on his body pretty much. Picture Victor Saz if he wanted to be an author. Oh, wow. That's uh, so like if Ernest Hemingway lost his shit and decided to tattoo everything that he ever written on himself. That's what we're talking about. Well, because he says that at the time of the apocalypse and everything happening, you know, everybody losing their shit, that all the history books were burned. Right. So it's oh, up well. to him. <laughs> so it's up to him and these other people to, you know, Keep these stories alive. Here, let me put this on me so I don't forget. <laughs> well, the reason why they burn the history books is because they're afraid of what, you know, of the the second coming of the apocalypse, pretty much. Yeah, again. that makes sense, yeah. So, like, we got burn all stuff. So, I want to, before I dive into more of the story, it's, of course, the story is done by George Miller, who, of course, did the film. There's a laundry list of people on this. I'm going to go through them all. Uh, Nico Latheris and Mark Sexton did the script for it. Mark Sexton did the art. And it actually has certain pages, these... Artists did too, so which is really really great. So like Mark Saxon did pay, did art on pages one nine eight and thirty one. Uh, Leonardo Fernandez he did the art on it as well. He did pages two through eight. It looks like uh, Ricardo Buccelli did pages ten to twenty five, and Andrea Muti did pages twenty six to thirty. And I gotta tell you, with the art in this, I don't know if you've read Saga or at least opened up Saga. It looks like Saga. It's kind of Saga esque. That well, makes you happy. Well, yes, but it's more dirty and gritty, as it should be, because not just from the, the overall feel of the book, but because it takes an apocalyptic wasteland, so of course they want the art to be reflective of that. Right, right. So it's not clean at all, it's kind of like mad, and some of it looks like, honestly, some of it kind of looks like putty art, in a sense. Like the way it's kind of The way it's kind of compressed, uh, with, the, with the use of, of brown and tan colors. So, story, I'm not get too much into the story, but, because I think it's, it's something that you need to read. Uh, here's the thing. So it's around Immortan Joe and Nux. And it pretty much starts off with, you know, how Immortan Joe became Immortan Joe. He was a colonel first, and then something happens, an event happens where 
people immediately think he cheated death. Hence, they call him Martin Joe after you know the immortal and that he can't die. Uh, and then you have Nux, who becomes one of Martin Joe's biggest and best war boys, and how he, as a child, went from being a just a, a child to surviving this test in the beginning of the book to him being become a war boy and pretty much having a new family and everything else. And this book, amazingly written, it, 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 you know, when you read a book, comic book that's in line with a movie, it might, because you don't have, of course, the director is not going to write the comic book in most cases, right, or in this course. case, they do. It feels a little bit detached, like the vision is maybe a little bit different. Nope, this goes, you can literally read this book, goes to the movie, and be connected, um, and it doesn't skip a beat. Nice. It's a $5 book, but again, it has over 30 pages in it. And here's the thing, when you get to the end of the book, and this is the end of my review pretty much, uh, it says to be continued in Mad Max Furiosa number one. I'm going to pick up that book as well. I'm going to pick up this entire series because you know what? I read this book at 3 o'clock in the morning, and I took no notes. This whole book is ingrained in my head. That's how you know right there. That's how you know you got a good one. And I can't wait to pick up Furiosa number one. It's a definite pull for me. I can tell the entire series is going to most likely probably be a pull for me. I already told Bob. Literally, I told Bob I had a great feeling about this book. Because you see the cover art, dude? I'm showing it to you right now. Where it's Immortan Joe. and It's it has, amazing. And it's amazing. And I told Bob I just had a great feeling about this book. I want it so much that Bob put it in my poll before I even read the damn thing. And well, it's because he's smart, you know. It's yeah, Well, yeah. And so that's that's my my pick of the week. That's I mean honestly, this is probably my of the entire 2015 so far. This is my pick. Wow, that's a pretty incredible statement right there. Yeah. Well, I didn't do too bad either. As a matter of fact, I also went the indie route, and uh, you know, it's just like it's just like a comforting old friend. I decided to read something from our good buddy Cullen Bunn. And uh, art was by Tyler Cook. I'm talking about Harrow County by Dark Horse Comics. Now this got a lot of buzz coming in, and there's actually a prologue by Cullen talking about Haints and basically, you know, talking about ghosts and stuff like that. Well, basically, the story centers around the small town, and years and years ago, they actually hung and burned a witch who promised to come back and avenge her death later on. Well, it's cut to a story where it's where it's a girl named Emmy. And her pa, because it's the South, and that's what we call our pa. So she's living <laughs> on the farm with her pa, and she's constantly haunted by images of this tree that is in the background and it has this scorched center. Well, that was the tree that they used to hang the witch, but she doesn't know that right now. And she keeps seeing these shadows on the wall, and it looks like the tree is talking to her. So clearly there's something going on in her head and weird stuff starts happening on the farm too. livestock livestock starting to die off and stuff like that there's actually a panel in here where uh, a calf looked like it was about to shrivel and die and then emmy touches it all of a sudden it's better again so it's like okay what's going on here negative little visit from somebody else from a, a quote-unquote in town anybody that's ever lived in the deep south know what in town means because you're gonna have a trek to go out to the farm and they're saying, you know, has she shown any signs? Because if she does, you know what's going to have to happen kind of thing. And mm-hmm. these older people were involved in the burning of the witch several years ago. So we're trying to find, you know, are there signs of her being a witch and stuff like that? And she goes, the, the furthest she's allowed to go is basically into the forest. So okay. it's another one of those sheltered 
girl kind of things where he doesn't want her to go off and live a life of her own kind of thing because he lives alone with her on the farm. The mother's out of the picture. They didn't really get into what's going on with the mother. Well, when she goes out to the forest, she sees something. And again, I don't want to spoil it because this is one of those books that you definitely need to pick up. When she goes out in the forest, she sees something and something really horrible happens at the end of this book. So we're kind of getting the feeling like, is she a witch? Is she not? Is she being possessed by a witch? Is she not? Kind of thing. And where is this going to go? Because the small town lynched a witch once before. Right. And it'll be very interesting to see how this progresses. So, I mean, just as always, the, the way that Cullen, and we've read some of Cullen's other things, the way that Cullen captures small town rural with his writing here, mm-hmm. pretty damn incredible. Well, remember, he, he is a southern boy, so, I mean... You know, he, he'll have that rural kind of-esque feel, too, so... But that just gives you a... You know, a guy can go from writing something like Sinestro to this. It just, it's just... It's what we say about Cullen a lot, how diverse he is, and how oh, he's yeah. able to just capture pretty much anything he writes. The art by Tyler Cook, also very good. I'd say it's uh, a step up from uh, Kirkman's Outcast. It's very similar art, because I think the, the themes are similar. But this is definitely a step up, so Tyler Cook does a very good job here. And just like you, this is a pull for me. The second I was about three or four pages into this book, I'm like, I'm going to love this. And uh, the Haints, kind of, the whole story with the Haints kind of reminds me of a story that I was told when, I, when my wife and I were on our honeymoon in Savannah, which was one of the most haunted cities in America. So if you're into the paranormal and stuff like that, this is definitely a book that you're going to want to grab. Awesome. That's two pulls for us, man. That's, that's a good but spending a and week. And indies, for us. indie pulls. Yes. Good for us. <laughs> good for us. Well, that's going to do it. Put away those long boxes, kids, because that's not for what we're reading this week. But coming up next, I have to review <laughs> the goddamn Big Bang fucking theory. And. Trust me, you're not going to want to miss. I got a feeling there's going to be a lot of f bombs dropped in this next uh, segment. So stay tuned. The unfortunate review of Big Bang Theory come up next in Geek Tama on Down Nerdy. Well, this is going to be really interesting this week in Geek Tama because there was a little wager that happened at Tidewater Comic Con. Let me tell you what the stakes were. Nick and I are both wearing a nerd shirt on Saturday at Tidewater Comic Con. Mine was Batman the Animated Series. His was a very cool Green Lantern shirt. So we had people, con goers, say, who had the better shirt? And whoever lost, if I lost, I would have had to watch and review the pilot episode of Captain Planet. If Nick lost, he would have to review a episode of The Big Bang Theory of my choosing. So it all started with The Big Bang Nick! <laughs> because you lost. So it was all on you to review an episode from Season 3, Episode 5 of The Big Bang Theory. So why don't I'll let you tell people what it was about. I'm sure a lot of people already know. So many people love the show. But why don't you tell them what it was about? Do I have to? Come on. Sack up, dude. (laughs) Put your big girl panties on. (laughs) First of all, you're a fucking asshole, sir. Yes, I know. Thank you. You really, really are. Thank you. Um, And to the people at the con, you disappoint me greatly. Well, I mean, it, it wasn't close either. I'll, we'll say well, that. No, it was 12 to 3, and damn you for tapping into people's childhoods. Hey, I didn't say I was going to fight fair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I knew exactly what I was doing. God They're damn. both great shirts. I, don't, I think we can 
I think we can uh, agree on that. But you just lost. That's all. So I had to review season, episode five of season three of Big Bang Theory, which is called the was the Candy Cunt. Memoriam. The creepy candy coating corollary, I believe. Oh, whatever the fuck it's called. It was go. a piece of shit. <laughs> so I watched this in front of James, too, because I wanted him to get the full experience. And there was a point in the fucking show where I just took my glasses and threw them. Like, I was fucking pissed. Uh, so for people, even if I get the character names wrong, I don't give a fuck. I really don't care. Well, that's okay. I that much. So we have, and, I'm, and people think, you know, I. <sighs> Starts off with them playing a fucking game, which is close to match to the gathering. Ends up, and all of a sudden, it turns out that, hey, Sheldon has his photographic memory. And hey, there's a card tournament at the local comic book store that is going to have a $500 prize. And guess what? Will Wynn's going to be there. And Sheldon, I'm sorry, he's autistic. He's, a, he's an autistic asshole. I'd rather, I'd rather part, take a day hanging out with King Joffrey than fucking Sheldon. He Sheldon makes Joffrey likable because uh, wow. he's just a fucking dick in the half. Him, him being a dick, I think everybody, even people that like the show, will agree with you on. He can be a he a real dick. That's uh, definitely true. So fast forward to where the fuck is Leonard? Where the fuck Mr. Bullcut Man is? That's uh, Howard, by the way. I don't give a fuck. Uh, anyways. You got this whole thing of, hey, hook me up on a date because you got a hot girlfriend, so hook me up on a date. We had a secret pact. So they hook him up on a date, and then it's just out comes all the, hey, we're a nerd show, and there's these geeks who are like, had the look and feel of, I live in my mother's basement, so let's have him do these awkward gestures of, do you like magic, or my mother's this, or that. Oh my fucking God. I wanted to take a gun and put it in my mouth and fire because it was this fucking show sucks. I don't know why people fucking like it so goddamn much. It's fucking horrible. Here's and, the, and, here's, and, and here's a way. No, let me fucking talk because I got to fucking air this shit out. So get to the tournament with Mr. Will Wheaton, who I love you, Will Wheaton. But for fuck's sake, I wish you didn't come on the show. He's been on the show a lot, by the way. And that disappoints me. A lot. And that really disappoints me. So, of course, it goes to the thing of, hey, Sheldon, why does this hatred of Will Wheaton happen? Well, when Sheldon was younger, he went to a comic convention in 1993 in Louisiana, and it turns out that Will Wheaton wasn't there. So, of course, as I knew, as all fucking writing goes, as somebody who studied film, or now you only have to study film to realize the way this is going to go. There's your problem right there, but we'll get into that in a minute. You realize that this is the way it's going to fucking go. You don't have to watch fucking film to really the audience and and, and study film to understand this. It's going to get to the point where at the end, something's going to happen where Sheldon's hatred for Will Wheaton is going to subside. And then all of a sudden, he does something, and Will Wheaton pretty much tells him he lies, and then the hatred for Wheaton happens again. It's the same fucking writing, and it's, and it's writing that you can see a mile away that was going to happen. I even said it when he even announced his hatred for Wheaton in the first scene. <sighs> Here's the deal. I'm going to give you three words. It's a sitcom. I don't go fuck. Doesn't mean you can't be different. It's a sitcom. I don't go shit. It's a sick. You're you're looking for. This next level of writing that has never no, existed in a sitcom I, I, ever. No, I, I didn't expect. I honestly didn't expect any. Well, I know you didn't this. based on the show, but but it's it's a sitcom. It's supposed to be predictable. You don't turn your brain on for a sitcom. 
It's just not the... Even Seinfeld, which had some of the best writing that a sitcom's ever had, was pretty predictable at times. Like when George was reeling up the marble rye. You knew, you knew his parent, his in-laws were going to be there waiting for him and seeing him bring it in. You knew certain things were going to happen, but that didn't mean it wasn't funny. Here's the other thing. I didn't laugh. Mind you, I did not laugh this entire No, he, he didn't. Uh, the other thing you've said many times in the show is you studied film. Yeah. Which is good. But there were some of us who did a lot of science in college, me being one of them, and there's other people. These people that are portrayed on this show, not only did they exist, but they exist in greater numbers than you would think. Uh, they don't rep. Uh, not, 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 not. You can't say that because you didn't take enough science. See, <laughs> how many science classes did you take in college? Three. Three. You know how many I took? Ten. Well, not okay. My choice. So I know that these people exist. Not a lot of them, but they're there. And but when they are there, they travel I'm in sorry. packs. I'm sorry. Like the fact that they're like physicists, whatever, doesn't bother me. What bothers me about the writing in general, most about how the characters are written, like the nerdy characters, is it's kind of like when you look at a at a sitcom or something of. A different, like an ethnic background, for example, and they have a lot of ethnic. All the jokes are very ethnic, stereotypical jokes. That's what this felt to me like. Like just like the way that. Well, it's not uh, the first. How, it's well, not no, the first sitcom but, but, to make fun of Jewish people. But, I'm not <laughs> they all that. do. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying when you look at okay, take Howard for example. Okay, he the way he looks, or he's Mister. I'm Twiggy. I'm a bowl cut, I live with my mother or have a very close relationship with my mother kind of thing. That, to me, is very stereotypical. It's like, really, you couldn't have just... We were at a fucking con for a weekend. Not once did I see anybody like a Sheldon, like a Howard, or whoever else on this. You weren't looking hard enough as they were there. That doesn't... That's not what the nerd community is. It's not a great representation of what we are. But what it is, is a microcosm of a certain group of people that are being portrayed a certain way on a but television it's the, show. It's the, it's the fucking easy way. It, like I said, it's the... It's if they the, did a show about the way the nerd community really is, it wouldn't be funny. Yes, it would. No, it wouldn't. People it would be, sh- it would be exactly what we're doing right now, arguing about comic people, books. And people fucking laughing into our show. You, know what, the the, you know what they call that show? They call it Comic Book Men. It exists. It's there. If you want to know what the nerd community is really like, watch Comic Book Men, and you do. And people knowing that know that the Big Bang Theory is not that way. They know that already. Well, this, this the entire cast, it is a satire on the community. The entire cast, no satire is too good of a word. This this entire cast and writers and everyone's can suck a big fat of diseased clits. Wow. That's they, uh, that's yeah. strong words, my friend. I know. I'm sorry. I look at that one. Ep- I look at an episode of that, and I'm like, they're getting paid how many millions per fucking episode? Really, really, for this shit oh, to, to, to shoot up these these horrible jokes that who, are, who, aren't funny? Who hurt you, Nick? You fucking did you? by making me watch this shit. No, and that. And the hey, you did this to yourself. You lost. Well, the fans let me down too. So. Oh boy. Yeah. So, uh, that is this week in Geektainment. Fuck you all. Very Fuck. enjoyable. Fuck you all. Uh, you know what? I'm going to do the Captain Planet thing anyway. Are you? Yeah, I'm going to do it anyway. If nothing, bre- if nothing breaks, I'll do it next week. Okay. If it does, I will do it a little later. If nothing breaks, please, for the love of God, please not let any trailers or any 
Oh, it's it's probably please. it's gonna happen. Oh, please God, yes, it's gonna happen. But that's what we're gonna do it for this week in Geek Tam. And coming up next, a hyphenated, shortened version of Nerd News. It's here on Down and Nerdy. Well, it's that time, nerds. We go around the interwebs and find out what's trending. Because it's time for what, James? Nerd, Nerd News. And we did have some breaking news. Actually, some big breaking news in terms of Transformers. And somebody else has entered the writing room, James. And what's funny is we did a story not too long about how they're kind of revamping the whole Transformers process and they're going to create a writer's room well guess who was just added to the writer's room to work on transformer spinoff films none other than the walking dead's robert kirkman now i don't know how you responded to this headline nick and just a headline alone but when i saw that i went i literally out loud said what yeah kind of like that because i'm like that is very interesting well here's the thing now the walking dead tv show we we're both not really fans of we don't really watch the show but the comics that kirkman does are ten times better. Oh, no doubt. So, I'm excited about this from a writing aspect because he's not, you know, because he's writing. Granted, he's writing for a movie still. However, I trust him in this because he's not going to be the only writer in the room. It's going to be him, right? Uh, Zach Penn, who did X Men: The Last Stand, who did the Pacific Rim sequel. Um, Art Matt Markham, who did the Iron Man original movie, and. You know, it's, so it's going to be a you know, four-team writer room, and so knowing that he's not going to be the only one in there, it's going to be interesting to see what they do and how they take these movies going forward. I know they want to do, like, spin-off universes, and, you know, they want to pretty much, even though the first three movies made a boatload of money, they kind of, I think, want to separate and make these movies that are coming up now yeah. in the future on their own. Like, look what we had before. We had no writers. Now we have writers, and not just writers, but credible exactly. writers. And, I mean, you could do stuff like, I mean, there's the Rescue, Rescue Bot series that you can go into. There's also the Beast Wars series. Uh, all the stuff that IDW is doing right now, there's all kinds of different stories that you could tap into there. I just want to see what they're going to do with the main line. Now, you know, remember, remember at, the age of, at the end of Age of Extinction when Optimus Prime goes off into space? Is that something that they're going to explore? And are we finally going to get a Transformers mo- movie in space and maybe not dealing with humans so much, which is what I've kind of been clamoring for? I would love to see, like, a Battle for Cybertron movie. Yes, that would be amazing. I Let's really would that. love that. Let's let's do that. Like honestly, I'd rather them do this. Now I know we're not really fans of prequels or certain ways things are done with prequels, but why not? If you since you want to start anew and have this new writers' room, why not do a prequel movie about the battle for Cybertron? Yes, and, and Megatron's defection and everything else. And that way, it's like a, having a first movie, but it's not. You know what I'm saying? Like have like a prologue here, like and then have it end with them getting to Earth. You know. Right, exactly. And, I mean, look at the Transformers animated movie from back in the day. Anybody that's ever seen that, it stands the test of time. It was so well done, in my opinion. And it was shocking for kids because you had to see Transformers, like, die for the first time. You're like, wait a minute, they can die? This is awful. So, the way they did that movie was so great. I don't know why they haven't tapped in to that kind of feel. I know you want to make it for kids, but the Transformers animated movie was still for kids. But it had some serious stuff in it as well. I don't know why we can't tap into that vibe and not have to be so hokey and uh I, I don't even know how else to describe it but hokey yeah and you know here's the thing is i'm just very very hopeful about this like i said when you have the name of writers that they have i'm very optimistic about it and you know people say well, well why are you optimistic about this with transformers even though michael bass still going to mostly direct it but you're not things with walking dead well like i said 
it's different. One's television, one's movies, and I think with movies, Kirkman can do more. Right. Well, Kirkman does have Air coming out with uh, Norman Reedus in right. August. So we'll get a little bit of a good idea of what he's going to be able to do with feature films with that. But here's the deal. You've got a lot of talented writers with proven success that are now going to be able to bounce ideas off each other. Like you said, there is film experience here with the people that did Iron Man. And also, you know, some film, some other TV experience with the uh, Paul Jenkins, I think it was, that did Lost. Yep. So, I mean, you've got a lot of varying opinions in the room here. And I, I think the worry is, you know, is it going to be too many cooks in the kitchen with so many different styles of writing? No, I actually think this is going to be one of those things where you're going to have people from different subsets of genres being able to come together and make one good movie and then branch off into several other good movies. So I think that they're kind of doing it right here. Yeah, it's been movies that they want. It looks like to be one good movie that they probably want to spin off to several other movies. Is Warcraft? This is our second and final story because, well, our main topic. We just got a feeling it's going to run very long, so we had to kind of mm-hmm. cut down right. nerd news this week. But Warcraft, they they released the first official image of Robert Kaczynski as the orc Ogrim, and it pretty much turns out that he's going to be the main protagonist or main character at least in this film, and. One of the quotes is very interesting. It says, We were looking for someone who would be able to perform the gruffness, the humor, and the toughness of this character. This is from Duncan Jones, who is directing the film. And he also said, We've gone beyond the point where these are just creatures in movies. We now have technology and ability to make new characters entirely. So I'm happy about this because here's the thing. Go back to Lord of the Rings. Grant, of course, these are two very different properties in this oh, sense. Yeah. However, I'm glad that we're getting a movie that's centered around orcs. And yeah. not humans. And these orcs, I mean, if you look at the image, these orcs are very different. They do not look exactly the same as the orcs in Lord of the Rings, which I think they did that on purpose. They tried to give as much separation there as possible. I don't know about how you feel, but I kind of feel like in a sense that this Warcraft movie is going to be a lot more lighthearted than the Lord of the Rings series. I mean, I know there's going to be some serious, you know, sci-fi type of drama and stuff like that, but as far as the overall theme of these movies, I think they're going to be a little bit more on the lighter side, kind of like how Flash is the lighter side of Arrow kind of thing. Yeah, and here's the thing, like, here, the way I'm looking at two different photos, okay? One, I don't know if it's concept art, and then one looks like it's, you know, from the movie, of course. Are these going to be CG orcs, or are they going to be practical that's a good question. It almost looks practical, doesn't it? It kind of does. Like the reason why I say it is like the one. There's one picture that I'm looking at that has like a white backdrop, and I don't. know if it, it looks too good to be concept art. It really does. Yeah. It looks like they're doing practical, which would be fantastic. Which is why I love the first three Lord of the Rings movies in a sense because great. I have. I, oh, I said love because I do have kind of a love hate for them because. Yeah, of, you've been kind of back and forth on that. Yeah, but the one thing I the one I'll say this the one positive thing I'll say about Lord of the Rings at least the first three films is the practical effects of the orcs, which oh, yeah. I like. I mean, anytime you get to do, I mean, go see Mad Max. It's ninety percent practical effects. But you know, a lot of people are shocked that they're going with Ogrim as kind of that central character, and I can see why uh, they're going that route because there was a game I don't know. Uh, the, the title of the game, it was a Warcraft game, it just came out, and one of the main cinematic, cinematics and the main storyline is these orcs that are saying, we will no longer be slaves and everything else. And I remember uh, that, yeah, yeah, it's okay. Ve- it's very orc-centric, so something tells me they're probably going to borrow from that game a lot. I mean, and and I there's t- nothing wrong with that. And I gotta tell you, these orcs, the way they look, must give the worst blowjobs ever with those teeth. 
Oh, that's got to be, you know, that's pointy, and that's, that's uh, just scary. you got to watch yeah. out for that. Yeah. Oh, God. It's man's worst nightmare. Well, that and, you know, dragons. You know. Well, I mean, dragons. Well, I mean if you've seen bad. Shrek, there is that one scene in the first movie where you can kind of tell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And when you're a donkey, you're not hung like a horse. That's a problem, too. God damn you with them. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What, you think I was just going to go through a whole nerd, nerd news without dropping a pun? The day you go through a whole show without dropping a pun is, I think, the day that my right arm grows back. Is, it's also the day that I die, probably. I might have to challenge myself one of these times to try and do that. I'm not sure I can do it, though. Or, or that I would even want to. Well, I mean, I did a show where I didn't swear, so if I can do that... That I is think, impressive. Yeah. That is very impressive. Yeah, well, uh, well, based on the last segment, you made up for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very much so. God damn you. You're I can't, more than made so, up for it. And, 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 and the thing is, I really hope that Kevin Planet... I really, I really hope nothing comes out so you can review that next week. That'd be so great. But yeah, we'll see what happens. Speaking of ending things and shows and whatnot, well... That's going to do it for Nerd News this week. But coming up next, it's our main topic. And we'll be talking about season finales and just shows in general for the season of this year. When we think about it, who had the best one? Who had the worst one? Well, I think we could probably all guess which one had the worst. But that being said, stay tuned. Our main topic here on Down Nerdy coming up next. Well, I think it's safe to say that it has been one hell of a 2014-2015 when it comes to nerd TV shows. So we decided to once again like we did for the mid-season, break down all the finales and rank them from top to bottom. And Nick, where do you think we should start? Uh, let's start at the first one that happens. So let's, let's go with Gotham first. All right, let's do that. So Gotham pretty much ends. This is all going to be spoilers, so if you haven't watched them, you know, watch them and come back and listen to this uh, main topic. But So Gotham pretty much was a wild ride. If anything, it's not, you know, it kind of had things of like, you know, we kind of figured certain things were going to happen. Like Penguin, it was going to have some sort of time. But they are building up his ascension through the right. mob ranks of Gotham. So, of course, it's fitting that it ends where he is. He's called King of Gotham now because he throws fish money over a building. I don't think she's going to be back, even though you said she might, because Jada Pinkett, I believe, said something about how she's not going to be back and there's just tension with yeah. her on the set. Yeah, so she I said that she's, she's out. She said that she's out for season two, so I think she's done as well. But I think we were all waiting because we knew from the comics that there was tension between Penguin and Falcone, big tension. So we were waiting. We were like, what is the thing that they're going to do to cause that tension? And the way that Oswald orchestrated that war between Maroney and, and – um, Falcone was brilliant. Yeah. And then, dude, what Fish Mooney did – yeah. You know, don't call her babes. Yeah. Don't and, call her babes. Yeah, and she just fucking shoots him in the head. Like, I was Maroney in the head. And, like, it was one of those things where it's like, because, you know, in the comics, the main mob bail is between Penguin and Falcone. And it's kind of sad in a sense because, like, Falcone took him under his wing yeah. when Maroney, you know, was going after trying to kill him. And Falcone gave him, you know, uh, safety. And... Penguin just fucking turns on him, and it was just, it's all downhill from there. Like, and man, he's done that to out. everybody. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. He just, he's done, he's turned on everyone. Maroney did the same thing in the beginning, and then he turned on Maroney. The only one he really didn't actually, I guess, turn on is, is uh, Jim Gordon. Yeah. Now right? Well, 
we that might change. Well, I think that's safe to say, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but the thing is, is what makes Robin Lord Taylor's Oswald Kalpa slash Penguin so great is you're watching throughout the season, especially in the finale, and you're saying to yourself, you know what, maybe there is a way for this guy to be, you know, yes, he's kind, he's the head of a mob and whatever, but maybe he has that good guy side to him, mm-hmm. you know, that you kind of maybe saw with Falcone. And then you just say some shit that he does, man, where it's like, no, he's going he's to go pure evil. He's going to turn, you know. But the thing was, this whole – and I'm glad this whole season one was set up all of this mob thing because now you know it's going to be pretty much Penguin versus Falcone. You know, Falcone kind of says, oh, he's going off. He's going to go retire, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, he's not going to. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen now. No. I think that uh... – there was a chance for that before with the whole Maroney thing, but now the Penguins done what he did. I don't think there's any chance he's going to retire. I think what we're going to see a lot coming up is uh, Commissioner Loeb and his relationship with Jim Gordon and the tension there within the police department. I think it's going to get even greater. And then there's the whole thing of where's you know where's his partner going to go? Yeah, because we know that in the comics he eventually turns on him as well. So I, it's it's gonna be very interesting to see. We know that uh, Mr. Freeze is coming. We know that we're supposed to be getting uh, from Bruno Heller. We know that we're supposed to be getting uh, the Joker origin story coming up as well. So a lot to look forward to. But what I didn't expect was for Barbara to go batshit crazy. Yeah. And fight it out with Doctor Tompkins. That was a, a turn I didn't expect. Yeah. Well, for people who don't know, she was spent a lot of time with. What was, the, what was the character's name again? The the, uh, the, the ogre, yeah. The ogre, yes. She spent time dating the ogre, and she said, like, you know, there's a scene in the episode prior to the finale where he kills her parents, and she's like, no, I killed my parents. I did this. He didn't do nothing. I slit their throats. I did this. And it's like, holy shit. And... The thing with her and Tompkins, I'm kind of like, knowing that Jim Gordon does marry Barbara, it's kind of like, dude, you have such a good thing going on with Dr. Tompkins. What the fuck? Well, we know that there's got to be some sort of a turn, but therein lies the intrigue. What happens? Yeah. You know, because obviously he still has that lingering, he still had those lingering feelings for Barbara because he went back to save her from the ogre, not just because he was a police officer, but because you could even tell he's like, you know, I did this to her kind of thing. So maybe it's out of guilt. Yeah. Because you know, you know, if you read Batman year one and we both did Gordon cheats on Barbara with detective essence. So maybe, maybe there's a little bit of guilt there. I don't know. So, I mean, going to be very interesting to see, what they do with the next season and how now the Riddler evolves to yeah, yeah, I want that to turn. That. I want the dude, the, the Riddler, the evolution of that character was just, all that was phenomenal. That's what I was saying is all the evolutions of these characters, Riddler, Penguin, even Selena mm. Kyle in the last episode. Oh yeah. Amazing. Amazing. It wasn't forced. It was su- like throughout the season, they slightly give you, they're inching closer towards that alter ego. They're inching closer, getting closer, right. getting closer. And they're finally there. And it's just a nice, nice payoff, dude. I, I, I'm excited. I can't wait for season two. I'm excited. You know, Bruce Wayne pretty much finds out everything going yep. on. Finds the cave. 
Yeah. There's a cave down there, and we didn't get to see it. Damn it. No. But uh, we're getting there. And shame on anybody that gave up on the show in the first episode because they thought that they were shoving all of these villains in our faces because that is not what happened at all. And that's exactly what we said. Wasn't going to happen. Like you said, it's a perfect example. They slowly evolved all of these characters together. They, yeah. they, they were all there, but they kind of let each one take their own time to develop into what they are and what they're eventually going to be. So I, I think of anything else that was really smart. The first season is kind of like a crime, not, not really a noir, but kind of like a cop. It's a cop drama. It was a little season. bit. I think it was it's a little not, bit noir. It was a little bit noir yeah. slash cop drama. I'll I'll give you both. Actually, each, you know, each week you had the villain of the week, but it had yeah. that kind of noir feel. Like you know, who thought they were going to dedicate a whole episode to the balloon man? And who know? and who knew that the doll maker was going to get such a huge yeah. arc in this? You know, so there's a lot of different ways that they can. There's a lot of different ways that they can go for and season two. I was like, go on a limb and just say, you know, for people who are complaining about Fish Mooney and oh, all the nerds and geeks who are like, oh, she's not canon. What the fuck is she doing in the show? Well, as I said months ago, she's in there because she's going to be that stepping stone for Penguin to get to where he needs to be. She's a transitional character. Yes. And yes. you need that in TV sometimes more than you do in the comics. She was a necessary transitional character because this is a story that hasn't really been told. No. Let's just let's point that out too. This is a story that hasn't really been told from the non-Batman now, perspective. Now here's a question. So you mentioned that as we both did at the end of the finale, they they open a book or pre- they, Bruce opens a book. And he finds a little remote and it presses it, and then out through the fireplace comes this opening, this passage, which is probably going to be the cave. So here's the question. Are they going to go the route of maybe Thomas Wayne was Batman? I think they might do that. I think what we're going to find out is that Thomas Wayne wanted to go that route. Yeah. But that Thomas Wayne was never able to realize his vision of I I hate to borrow something from Arrow here, but saving his city. Yeah, because of he knew about the corruption in his own company, so he wanted to do something about it. So he started on this journey, but before he could do that, he gets gunned down in an alley with his wife, and now he's hoping that someday his son will maybe find it and take up that mantle. And before we go on to our next show, this one that I want to mention is I hope this this is a show that goes on. For a long time, not not overly. Long. I'm not like asking twenty some odd seasons of right. Gotham, but enough to where we see the young man playing Bruce Wayne grow up to maybe in his mid teens or whatever, to where he goes off and then goes to the monastery, and then it just ends with him going to that monastery. You know, part part of me wants the last shot of the series finale years from now to be him putting on the cowl for the first time, and uh-huh. the show ends right there. Yeah, that's it. He's puts it. You know, he pulls the cow down over his face for the first time, and then fade to black. Game over. That's how I want it to end. But here's the thing, though. With that, the only problem with that is, how old was Bruce Wayne when he first became Batman? Because right now in the show, he's like ten. Yeah, because then it'd have to run what Simpsons level. So maybe you not. have to. No, that's <laughs> no all that. But also, you have to sacrifice. Five years have passed. It's like, come on, yeah, man, and I really? don't think, and I don't think they'll do that. So you're no. right. I think that maybe it'll be the whole, you know, he's off at the monastery kind of thing. He walks up to the steps, yeah, and that's or 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 it's him leaving Gotham to go do that. Yeah, maybe they'll go that route. So uh, it doesn't even matter, man. I'm just, I'm just, I'm glad it turned out that as good as it did. But 
Speaking of things that turned out, I think maybe we'll go in order here then. Yeah, we'll go in order. Speaking of things that turned out, I think even beyond what we even thought it was going to be is The Flash. Yes. And the finale was, of course, we're recording this on a Wednesday, so the finale was last night. I soaked through about four (laughs) Star Lab shirts with tears, manly tears, over that entire episode because, oh my God. Yeah, and that's the thing. So, you know, we watched, I watched it at two o'clock in the morning when it was up on Hulu because I'm a cord cutter. And of course. here's the thing. I, I, oh my God. I, like, I agree, dude. I was crying waves of tears that's to the point where Barry Allen had to pretty much run back and forth because the tidal wave was just going to destroy Virginia Beach. <laughs> you were the tidal wave that yeah. was going to destroy the city. Oh, we, so many, dude, so many boxes of feeling cereal oh, were poured gosh. all over my pl- my apartment, dude. There, there are no more. Bowls of feelings left. Yeah, actually, so they they're actually in back order now. So you're not gonna have to. Ha- you're not gonna be able to have any for the next couple episodes. Just but keep that in mind. Let's start from the beginning, okay? Which is, oh my god. So we know that pretty much from the prior episode, Barry has a decision to make. Mm-hmm. Wells, who's AKA well, right now they're still they don't really call him Wells anymore. They call him Eobard Thawne because after he came out and said who he was, of course, they call him you know Eobard Thawne. So of course, he's captured. He's put in the you know in the cell at Star Labs because you know Oliver Queen's shot him an arrow, which enabled them to put him in that container. And everybody's so, always in the first cell too. Each new villain always sets up in the first cell right by the door. Don't know how that happens, but he's right there. Yeah, and here's the thing. Now, here's the thing. So Barry has a choice to make, and it's kind of I can go back in time and save my mother. And there's a catch. By doing so, and for this information on how to do that and go back in time to save my mom, I have to let Eobard build a time machine for him, let him and let Eobard go and go back home. Yeah, basically they're going to open up a wormhole which exists in all of space and time and it opens up all these different... As a matter of fact, when he's running through oh, yeah. the wormhole, you see visions of other things. And one of the visions you see, spoiler alert, is Caitlin as Killer Frost. Yes. Now, I don't know if he retains that information when he comes back or not, or if he's got other things on his mind, but that's one of the things that you see. So, a little bit of foreshadowing there. Uh, speaking of foreshadowing, they, they mentioned Rip Hunter in the episode, who's going to yep. be on Legends of Tomorrow. And, that, and that's the thing. It's like when the whole, you know, as he's making this decision, you know, and as he's kind of going through that, that wormhole, you see these certain things. You see clips from the trailer of Legends of Tomorrow. You see uh, other certain, as like I said, Caitlin as Killer Frost and everything else. And let's kind of go back a little bit to where he's making this decision. Because this whole series is based on this one decision. They're yep. like... So what happens? So well, if you're successful, your mom is alive, and you know, of course, time is altered, but your mother's alive. What happens if I fail? You die, and also, oh, spoiler alert: this giant wormhole will open and devour the Earth. Not to mention, you could change the timeline, so nothing you've experienced in your life will have ever happened. You don't know what you're coming back to. Yeah, and mind you, this is one thing. This is why I love Tom Cavanaugh as Reverse Flash. The scene with him and Cisco. When Cisco and him are talking, and Cisco's talking about how he cru- he's like, you crushed my heart literally with your fist. And he looks at him like, what are you talking about? Kind of thing. Yeah. And he said, and Cisco's saying, I can't escape these visions. Well, Tom Cavanaugh says, Cisco, I'm so sorry. And he goes, 
that you killed me. He goes, oh, and he, you kill me. And he goes, no, oh no, I had probably had a great reason to kill you. And at that moment, I'm like, yeah. holy shit. Yeah, and that's when you realize, if you didn't know already, that Cisco becomes Vibe. Yeah. A little bit later on down the line. Now, so, you know. For people who don't know, what are Vibe's powers? If well, he has any. I mean, it, he's kind of like, it depends on, on the incarnation. There's a heightened sense of agility. You know, your basic superhero stuff like that. But if I remember right, there is some canon to him being able to see across, you know, like certain space and time or whatever. Yeah. It's, a, it's very shaky because Vibe never really got a whole lot of attention yeah. in the comics. So it's really difficult to know. I mean, he was created by Jerry Conway. Yes, Jerry, you can take credit for that one. In uh, October of 1984. <laughs> so, I mean, you know what happens when there's different incarnations of characters and they make them a little different. Like New 52 uh, vibe, I think, is a little bit different. But, yeah. I mean, you, you definitely know what Cisco, when you look at, you know, when you look at the art, you go, oh, that guy looks familiar. Yeah, it looks like Cisco because it is. Yeah, so I think they are going to go with that. If they're going to stretch with, they're going to go along with Vibe in the Labby next season or season three, it'll probably be the one who can see over certain amounts of and time I mean, periods. And I mean, there are certain incarnations where he's got like these sonic powers where he can create these, you know, shock waves and stuff like that. Yeah. And he can, uh, he actually has the powers of interdimensional uh, psychic abilities. Is That's what they kind of classify it as. So he's got multiple powers. Yeah, and here's the thing. So. Let's move forward a little bit. So as Barry's getting ready to make this decision, uh, there's just that scene with him and Joe where it's oh, just like, I know, I love you, son. I love you, dad. It's kind of the things where, like, where he even said, where Barry's kind of like, he thinking about maybe I shouldn't go. Basically, he could have his original family. Yeah. He's, he, but at the yeah. same time, he had such a great dad. Yeah, with Joe. And that's the thing is that he's like, Joe's telling him, like, Barry, you'll have your actual family. You'll have your real father. He goes, I have a father. You know, my dad's in prison, but I lost a father, but I gained one. And I like how this kind of shined a spotlight on something that doesn't get a spotlight very often for, like, adopted parents, yeah. foster parents, and stuff like that, about how great they can be. And I think that that was one of those things that was said without being said in this episode. And even though Barry had a great dad and he wants to save his dad, he has a dad. So he got the luxury of having two dads that were great. So that's really cool. And now, mind you, okay, so here's the thing. The wormhole opens, so Barry's going through. What shoots out of that wormhole, James? Jay Garrick's helmet. Yes. I lost my shit when <laughs> I saw that. And my wife says, what's that? Now, let me explain something to you right now. <laughs> <laughs> so I told her all about it. And she's like, oh, okay. And then I got to go into the whole Wally West thing. I'm like, there's a lot of flashes. Yeah. But, uh, no, I, it's funny because I actually thought that Jay Garrick was going to be part of the Legends of Tomorrow. Right. Uh, before they were before they ended up calling it Legends of Tomorrow, when I thought it was going to be JSA. Because remember, Garrick's big part of the JSA. Yeah, and what's great is they go, what's that? And... Eobard is, is like, that's my cue to leave. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So maybe, you know, who knows? Maybe Garrick is maybe the Flash from his time. I don't know. Well, there's canon there with his family, too. So yeah. it's not just Eobard. I mean, it's, there's more there. So but speaking of the Thawne family. Oh, dear Jesus. And I kind of saw this coming. Yeah. Where you kind of remember when they're, when you know that they're related and. At, at first, Eddie decides, you know what, screw screw what Wells said, uh, what Eobard said, I'm going to go after Iris anyway. But then when the moment of truth comes, and you realize you got to do something, what does Eddie do? 
he, he shoots himself. Yes. And it's like, and in and, and the words of Joe, what did you do? Yeah. And that's when you realize, if you hadn't figured it out already, that if Eddie dies, Yabar never exists. Yeah. However, they did have a report saying that Tom Cavanaugh will be back in season two. Yeah, that's going to be very interesting to see how that works out. Because, I mean, Kenny, I, I, he could obviously travel back in time again earlier on before he gets bumped off kind of thing, I guess. Right. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, there's just a lot. When you introduce time travel, dude... Oh, so many different, oh, yeah. So let's – okay, so so Eddie shoots himself. Let's – okay, so Barry gets to the, his past. He gets to that night, and he's in his room, and he opens the door and sees that, you know, they're battling everything else. And what happens? He's getting ready to – they say, okay, here's when you save your mother. After You have to make sure that the future you gets you outside of right. the house. Mm-hmm. Then you should save your mother because – Eobard reverse flash stabs his mother in the heart. Mm-hmm. So he's about ready to go and save his mom, and his future self sees him, puts his hand up, and shakes him off. And says no. That was bone chilling. Yeah. The fact that he didn't even need to say a word. He just holds up his hand like don't, and he listens to himself. I guess you could say. Yeah. But then when he gets to his mom. And just has that moment of closure where that's, you say, Dad and I are okay. I think that's when I, I just completely lost That's it. when I lost it, dude. I, I mean, lost it then. You know, you kind of had before that, you know, the whole talk with the dads and stuff. You kind of had that single tear welling up that was getting ready to drop down. No. When he did that with his mom, I mean, the, the waterworks yeah. just opened up. And she's like, you look like my father. And he goes, Mom, it's me. It's Barry. And then I'm just like, oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> and then it just all <laughs> fell apart. Yeah, it did. And then uh, your Star Labs t-shirt shrunk three sizes because it got wet and had to throw it in the dryer. It, it really did. And then, of course, he has to, after this, he has to wrap his head around the fact that he needs to go back. And yeah. apparently the whole you need to be back in a minute and 52 seconds thing didn't really work out because the black hole kind of opens anyway. Yeah. And that's when you see a lot of stuff. You see Captain Cold for a second. You see his dad. You, you see, see Hawk Girl Hawk for Girl. a second. Yeah. Yep. So... And then, of course, the end of the episode is, of course, Barry deciding, I need to try to do what I did in the first episode with the tornado and kind of close this wormhole, and that's where it ends. And I'm like, dude, come on. That's yeah. where you end it. Come on. Yeah. But they leave you wanting more, and that's the beauty they did. of it. They did. And we got the the wedding between uh, Ronnie and Caitlin, so that yep. was cool. Uh, and we know that something's going to happen a little bit later on down the line. There's just so much <laughs> to look forward to in the second season. And that's so great because you realize when at the uh, at the wedding scene, uh, Ronnie's other half. I can't think. Of, I can't think of his name for the life of me. Uh, Doctor Stein. Doctor Stein. And Ronnie says something. Doctor Stein's like, "Come on, man. Let's not ruin something on our on our wedding day." <laughs> that was a great line. I love. That line. I love Victor Graber so much. <laughs> Because you realize I mean, that they're one being. They and are it's so great. That that opens up a whole other question too about uh, the wedding night, but I don't think we should uh, explore that any further. Yeah. Because, wow. Uh, but no, so much to look forward to in season two. Now, if we move on, I'm going to do this quickly because you haven't watched Agents of Shield in forever. Yeah. So I'm going to give you a quick, the short, short version. As they say in Spaceballs. Before you do that, now people are going to say, well, wait, Nick, you didn't watch the finale of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I said, and I, and I, no, I did not, and here's why. I didn't watch it because 
A, I don't like the show. B, I don't watch the show. So C, why would it make sense for me to watch one episode? Granted, it's, this is the finale when I haven't watched the entire season and don't know what the fuck has gone on the entire season. Great. So I'm going to do this as quickly as, as, human, as inhumanly possible. Oh, you son of a bitch. So, <laughs> so basically, the Inhumans, that's the story. And you know that Skye's an Inhuman and her mom's an Inhuman and her dad is basically Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde is her dad. Yeah. So uh, basically, her mom stages this uh, whole thing where it looks like a shield agent, one of the top shield agents, shoots her. So now all her people think it's wartime to go with shield. And that's basically the theme of the season finale. And, you know, Sky's struggled with, you know, do I want to be a shield agent? Do I want to be an inhuman? My family's back together kind of thing. She's been struggling with that. So she kind of is on both sides of the coin for a while until she realizes that her mom is not the nice person that she thinks she is. And her mom's the one that wants to basically destroy shield. So the inhumans can live in peace. She's basically living off of fear Right. And she's gone a little bit off the deep end. We thought the dad was the crazy one. Turns out it was the mom. So I'm just going to get a couple bullet points here. Obviously, we know it works out for S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, and they stave off the attack from her mom. Her dad actually kills her mom, so she doesn't have to. So Scott okay. doesn't have to. So that was one of the big moments. Another big moment is uh, the Terrigen Crystals were, were going to be released by Gordon, who is the uh, who's the teleporter. And one of them, after they capture him in a room and sort of defeat him, one of the Terrigen crystals starts to fall on the ground. Mm. Well, Coulson dives on the ground and catches it, and you're like, okay, moment of truth time, because if Coulson's an inhuman, he won't turn to that stone that people do when they touch the crystals. Right. Coulson starts to turn to stone. So right there you know he's not inhuman. But what does happen is one of the characters, Mac, played by Henry Simmons, cuts off Coulson's arm. With an axe. Okay. So he doesn't kind of totally go turn to stone guy. So he basically saves Coulson's life by cutting off his arm. Was it the right arm? You know what? I don't remember. I think it was the right arm. It's always the right arm. It's always the right arm. So Coulson's in a sling for the rest of the episode. And basically, uh, there's a couple of moments there uh, with uh, Mockingbird, Agent Morse, and, and her boy Toy Hunter there. And there's another moment between Fitz and Simmons where it looks like they might actually start finally dating now. And it gets a little awkward until the end. And here's where it gets weird. They capture what almost looks like the symbiote, but it's not. It's this weird black stuff that kind of forms, unforms, and reforms. It looks like it's the symbiote, but I don't think it is, because why would they go that route? Anyway, long story short, they're doing a little bit of experimentation on this at the end of the episode, and this black stuff swallows Simmons. Mm -hmm. And basically, she's gone, so we don't know what's happening there. So whatever this stuff is that they were trying to keep from the Inhumans, this is going to be uh, probably the basis of what's going to start for Season 3. But there's just Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the inconsistencies, the where do we go from here? It looks like Ward's going to start Hydra back up again. It's like, really, Hydra again for a third season? Come on, jeez. I mean, I know that Civil War, there's going to be Hydra in the movie, but it's like, oh, come on, or we can't, can we do something else and not, and not Hydra? <laughs> yeah, it's, like your, it's like your argument with the Joker. Can't we do a Batman game or something? Can't we just forget the Joker for well, a minute? Yeah, Hydra has become, they have, they've become the human version of Loki, where I'm Loki'd out, like, after, like, you know, Dark World, you're like, okay, no more, I'm not done, that we, no Not more. that we don't love him. Not yeah. that we don't love him. But, but you yeah. know why, but when you make him... When you make when you when you put Loki in a bunch of shit, people begin to think 
okay, they can't establish anybody else outside right. of Loki. Right. Same you can't thing, keep going back to Same that thing well. with S.H.I.E.L.D. It's like we understand Hydra was S.H.I.E.L.D. for a long time. However, you know, the fuck? Like, if I'm going back to Age of Ultron, I'm sorry, Barry Bond Stryker was fucking dead. Yeah. So, S.H.I.E.L.D. for the most part, or not S.H.I.E.L.D., but Hydra for the most part, it should be over with because Bond Stryker was like the number two man to Red Skull. So it's kind of, it just pisses me off. It really, really pisses here's, me off. Here's the interesting thing, though. We talked about the faith in this show, and it, ju- and it just got renewed recently. Yeah. So the episode would have already been filmed and done and in the can before the renewal. Honestly, dude, this felt like it could have been if it needed to be a series finale. Yeah. Because they wrapped up some stuff like Agent May is going off to take some time off and they wrap up the whole thing with Coulson. He's the director again. The way the a way a bunch of different things happen. This is nothing against you, but the way you're describing this, it sounds like the boring most boring finale ever. Like this person goes on vacation, this person does this. Dude. It's like holy It was two shit. hours. It was a two hour finale. Why? The fuck was it two hours? Flash's finale was I only know. an hour. The I, fuck? I, I I drifted in and out so many times, I'm not even going to lie. I know people love the show, and I will say that Sky, Sky's the best thing on that show. Her character actually has depth and meaning. It's like everybody else they decide to not really do anything with except for Coulson. There's so much... This is the argument people are making for Batman versus Superman. There's so many characters, there's so much going on in the show, it's like, I don't know what to focus on. But Who are we going to focus on this Well, week? at least with Batman versus Superman, they're characters you know and give a shit about. And care about, exactly. So enough about this crap let's move on to something more important and that is arrow and everything under the sun that happened yeah so pretty much uh it starts off with this whole they're getting you know they're on this plane which is the league oliver or or al sahim i should say now and raish and this is on there as well and they're getting ready to go to starland city and raish is pretty much saying like hey at this certain point in time you're going to be, you know, distributing this virus throughout Starling and so and so and forth. And then pretty much he's trying to find out if Oliver is still on the on the track of becoming Raish. In a because sense. Raish always knows when something's not quite right. And he was right because you had that moment on the plane. And it was right there towards the beginning of the episode where he's like, you will do your duty, Al Sahim, and he's like, "My name is Oliver Queen," and I'm like, "It's on." Bitch. And then they fight, and then the plane crashes. And I'm gonna tell you right now, if they don't have Green Lantern in this next season, or at least Hal Jordan, because they've teased Ferris Air a lot. I believe they even said that uh, the the city that Fer- that uh, Green Lantern resides in. Coastal mm-hmm. City, I believe it's Co- called. Coast City, yeah. Coast, Coast City. City. Yeah. It's going to be a big part of season of this next season. That's where him and Felicity were headed at the end, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So, And, of course, in The Flash, they teased about a pilot being missing, and I've seen people say, oh, that could be any test pilot. Really? Yeah. Come on. It's Hal Jordan. You know who they're talking about. Yeah. So Let's not be stupid here. So Hal Jordan needs to make an appearance. Like, they don't need to be Green Lantern right away. They can do what they do with Barry, where, you know... They, he's held Jordan for a little bit, and then something happens, and he becomes Green Lantern. You know, 
Right, and I mean, so, and the whole relationship now with Diggle that's clearly fractured because there's a lot of mistrust throughout yeah. the whole beginning of this episode. And will you know will Dig will Diggle ever be the same again? I don't know, but they but he is getting a mask in this next season. Yes, he's going to get some sort of a disguise. The question is, who's it going to be? Will they do an original character? Will they grab something from canon? They could certainly do that. I mean, they they they've already done that a few times where they've grabbed things from canon and changed it around a little bit, like Thea being. Red Arrow. Yeah. That's going to be interesting. And of course, they're going to call her Speedy, it looks like, which is very cool. We've been waiting for that. Yeah. Which I, I really can't wait for. So anyways, as the show is progressing, pretty much, uh, everybody's in Starling, you know, Diggle and Black Canary and everybody else. And it's pretty much, the League is here. It's this all-out kind of, not war, but just, they're trying to stop the contagion because what it is, is there are people walking around who are members of the league who are, have the virus within them. That's how they're going to release it. Right. And it's, what is it, like they, they cut themselves or something like that, and that's how they die. It's just stabbing themselves. That's how they... Yeah, basically, it's it's released through through their blood. Once, yeah. they, once they get cut, the Alpha Omega virus will go through Starling City. And then, you know, Ray Palmer's trying to synthesize a cure back at, the, back at Palmer Industries. And then there's that epic showdown. While this all is all going on, and Team Arrow's trying to get the Alpha Omega virus from spreading. And they actually did a pretty darn good job. While they're trying to do that, you've still got the battle between Oliver and Raish on yeah. this huge bridge, which was like the it, ultimate showdown. I want to say it was like on top of a dam, actually. I think it was some... Yeah, it was like it a dam like or something dam. like that. Anyways, what's great is just... So they're fighting it out and everything else. And, you know, Team Arrow is trying to stop, like I said, they're trying to stop people from from die, from kill themselves and with and unleashing the virus. And like I said, when you see Speedy for the first time, dude, that's just—it's amazing. It's really, really awesome. It's unbelievable. Well, because you see, like all the training she went through this past season, and you're just like, it finally culminated in something great. Because you know, it made sense. Well, yeah, because remember, Roy is not in the show anymore. He gave yep. her the suit. Mm-hmm. You know, he said it looked better on you, and. So now she takes over that mantle, and then it all ends in that one fight sequence where Oliver stabs Raish and kills him. And he gives him the last rites yes. as Raish al Ghul, which I thought was very cool. But what Oliver doesn't know is that the police, the Starling City police, have a sniper, and they're getting ready to take down both of them. Yeah. And actually, we see Paul Blackthorne's character, Detective Lance, kind of have a little bit of a change of heart. And say, well, I don't want him to die. So he tries to stop it, but he can't. Now, here's the interesting part. Yeah. Ray can't leave to go save Oliver because yeah. he's synthesizing the cure. So who puts on the Adam suit? It's Felicity. Yeah. And when Oliver does get shot and falls off the dam, she catches him. So, <laughs> you know, hey, way to uh, way to work on the fly there, Felicity. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, figure everything out quicker than Ray could. We, we know where the brains are in that operation. Yeah, pretty much. And, you know, so, you know, it, it gets to the point where, you know, Ray is dead, or so we probably more likely think. And then Oliver is uh, getting ready to leave, and they're at Thea's place. And by they, I mean him. Thea's there, and so is... Uh, Merlin. Barrowman. Barrowman! And so, Barrowman is talking to Oliver, and he's been saying, like, you know, I always looked at you as a son, everything else, and Oliver says, you know, I still don't like you, you destroyed people's lives, everything else, and 
So he says, so does this mean that, you know, we're at war again? He yeah, says, we're enemies once more kind of thing. And, he said, and Oliver says, I'll let you decide that. And right then there, what does he give him? He gives him Raish's ring. Yeah, so then we finally find out that Barrowman is the new Raish. Yeah. Which is very interesting. And, of course, we also had a couple of other things happen where we now know that Oliver was saved by the League armor. We also know that Nessa goes back to Nanda Parbat, and she kneels in front of Barrowman where it's like, holy shit. I like how we're calling him Barrowman. We're not calling him Merlin. We just call him Barrowman. I know. How could you not, though? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, there, then, there's just so much. And then, but I was, just, I was kind of sad that he said, told everybody to kneel, and he didn't tell everybody to jazz kick. Yeah, that, that was a little disappointing. Yeah, it was very well, disappointing. Well, we were forgetting about Damien Dark, too, because that yeah. was kind of the trap that was set, that kind of set this whole thing in motion. It looked like Raish was going to go after Damien Dark, and Damien Dark split. Now, we know that Damien Dark's got connections to Hive, so my question to you is, are we finally going to see Hive be the main antagonist for Season 4 of Arrow? I see where no else they can go. They're not going to go to League Gang, because I think Malcolm is not going to go after Oliver or you know anybody else. He's not going to go after Starling again because of Thea. So... The league is pretty much in the shadows in mm-hmm. a sense. I don't think that the league is going to be not in the next season. I think what's going to happen is you'll see maybe Oliver or Thea or whomever, you know, contact the league and have yeah. them come and fight alongside of them, kind of they'll, like with Deathstroke. There'll be sporadic references and appearances here and there, but I think you're right. I think that the Hive is the place to go. And I want to bring this up because I brought this up uh, off the air and I wanted to put it here on the show about whole, the whole – uh, the explosion of Palmer Industries. And, you know, we know he miniaturizes and Ray's not dead because he's going to be on Legends of Tomorrow. But here's the deal. We're thinking, who, what's going to bring Oliver and Felicity back? Well, remember, Felicity was signed over as, you know, owner-operator of Palmer Industries, but she doesn't know about it. So all of a sudden there's an explosion at the top floor of Palmer Industries and nobody knows really what happened to Ray Palmer. So for all they know... Felicity blows up Palmer Industries to get Ray out of the way and take control. And maybe, you know, there's a legal battle there. Maybe that forces them to come back and defend themselves because she takes off with Oliver, who, by the way, used to own the company. That doesn't look shady at all. So maybe that's what brings them back to Starling City eventually. Here's the only problem with that. I They could go that route because, again, they need to come back. I don't think it will be that because of the fact that Ray isn't dead. So all, cause all it takes is for him to just make one public appearance, and then it's like, okay, they're not dead. I mean, they, But we but, don't know how much time has passed. Right. But also, Between that and Legends of Tomorrow. Right. However, here's the thing. That's still, you know, you know here's the thing, though. With Ray Palmer, it's like, like I said, why would you go that route, though? Because it would only last, that storyline would only last probably maybe tops three episodes, if that. You know, I mean, people had their doubts but, still or whatever. But, but it brings them back. Yeah. Something's got to bring them back. The explosion, I think, would bring them back, but I don't think we're going to get into the whole legal thing of Felicity and the whole ownership thing. It might be a tie, I think, because we did see her sign it and not unknowingly sign it. But like I said, all it takes is just for Ray to say, I'm not dead. And then, boom, the whole storyline's just done. And remember, too, though, he was struggling with the miniaturization technology. For all we know, he gets stuck miniaturized for a little short period of time. No pun intended there, I swear. But he gets, he maybe he gets stuck that way. Nobody's going to listen to a tiny little man and a microphone. So maybe it takes him 
being able to unminiaturize himself to go, oh, wait a minute, yeah, I'm not dead, sorry. I don't know, I mean, hey, have you ever heard Peter Dinklage give a commencement speech? That is a good point. Yeah. That's a lot of boxes you need to stand on. That's, that's a lot of Apple boxes. Somebody get those textbooks that uh, you're not using anymore that you paid $150 for. <laughs> yes. Let stand on those. <laughs> yes, that'd be great. <laughs> that would be great. But, I mean, so that, that it ends that way where, like I said, where Merlin is now the new race and, and is, you know, commander conqueror of the league pretty much and... Oliver and Felicity go their own, go in a car and they drive off to the sunset and you know here's the thing though you know we talk about like what high or anything else I was kind of surprised that outside of the explosion there wasn't really another stinger like there wasn't like a setup of ah hive. you just did it now I stinger hive yeah okay I we get didn't it didn't mean to do we, it we totally I, get it I didn't mean to do it no it's 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 it, you've been hanging around me too long and it's in your brain now you can't it really is it, it's like it's like a virus you can't get it out there's no cure there's so no cure. you've you've gone over to the Damien dark side yeah Jesus Christ <laughs> <laughs> so for the one listener that's still listening <laughs> yeah there you go but uh, i mean that that's kind of the the major shows that we haven't covered in the past um that's that's basically the recap of all the season finales but let's bring back in just for the sake of ranking how this year has gone let's bring back in agent carter let's bring back in constantine everybody back into the pool and we're gonna rank them from top to bottom so before we even get started can we just agree that agents of shield is at the bottom yes Okay, so let's just let's just go and take that out of the equation then. So then let's go top to top to I'm bottom to top now. What's next? Ooh, and we're including Daredevil and Constantine and everything else, right? Yes. Uh, Agent Carter. Yeah, I got to agree. Now, like we said in, in our earlier review, I think it started out strong the first few episodes, but then it dragged off because it wasn't what. I think we all wanted it to be and hoped it would be. And I, th- I hope season two is what we wanted. Well, I want to talk about that. The reason why it's ranked so low is because people say, well, it's not what you expected, da, da, da. It, it's not. It was not ex- as what we expected. And here's why. Because when you saw it, you thought it was going to be mostly based on, okay, the beginnings of S.H.I.E.L.D. It wasn't going to be misogyny. Uh, misog- I mean, granted, it was still a misogynistic times, but you think the whole bl- brunt of it was going to be, oh, she's a woman, and after World War Two, and Howard Stark's a, a ref, you know, on the run and everything else. It's like, when, mean, I, when they announced season two, I was shocked. I'm like, wait, wait, wasn't this, was this supposed to be like a one-season miniseries? Here's the deal. I, I mean, you, you work the misogyny in because you can't ignore it because it was part of the times, and if you did ignore it, you'd get killed for that, but... They made it such a focal point yes. throughout the entire series. I found myself saying, all right, enough already. It got we point, get it. We got to the point where a lot of the writing, it was like this. It was like we, they were aware they were what times they were in. So we're like, okay, we can just say where the fuck we want as misogynistic as we want because, oh, it's the times. You know? Yeah, and they, and they went all in on that, let me tell you. Yeah, and it's just – my thing is with, with Agent Carr, I guess I hope season two is better. I will watch season two because it's like I just oh, want to see – because I do. I want to see if it builds this next to this this right. thing of S.H.I.E.L.D. I want to see if it builds up to that. And I want it to be that now. It's yeah. like, it looked like that's the direction they were going to head. That's what I want to see. I want to see the founding of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I don't understand why that would be such a hard thing to do. So I think, okay, now we agree that Agent Carter is next. So what do we put after Agent Carter? Well, I have to have you go first because I already went first. So it's your turn to go first there. Okay, so... As good as it was, and as much as I want it to be saved, 
at some point. I, I got to put Constantine next. Yeah. And that is, it's nothing against Constantine. Matt Ryan was brilliant. Uh, I think a lot of it had to do with it was such a limited season. It was 13 episodes. So, yeah, yeah, so so they, they, I mean, I know Agent Carter was a little limited too, but it was, they didn't really get to get as deep into the storytelling, I think, as they would have wanted to. Yeah. I loved every episode, but there was, it was so much, there was so much going on with these other shows and there was, the storytelling was a little bit better, so I got to put Constantine there. It was one of those things where you can tell that the writers knew because it was a limited run, and at the time you didn't know if it was going to be saved or if it was going to be canceled. And I'm being canceled, as we all know now. But it was to a point where like, they didn't want to put too much into the storytelling because they didn't want to get too involved and have it get canceled and be like, well, shit. You know? like, I mean, even, even in right. the ending where you know, with Manny, and you find out that he was the one that, you know, him and Papa Midnight, he was the one right. that had put the bounty on Constantine. He's the one that's, the, the darkness all seems to revolve around him. Yes. And his thing is, it's just because, you know, you look at, at that, and I'm just like, okay, I would like to have season two, but at the point, it, it, was, it felt kind of barren. That's why, like, when every episode was so different in a sense, because there was really not, if you look throughout the entire season again, James, there was a whole bunch of connectivity going on in, no. in linear storyline. No, I mean there was that always that one lingering storyline with with Zed and the and the rising darkness kind of thing that was always in the background. Yeah. But you're right, there was never a, any linear story storytelling like there was in the Flash, like there was in uh, Arrow and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I do think that that hurt them a little bit. I still loved the show. I just can't put it ahead of any of the others. So are we in agreement there as well? Would you put Constantine? Yeah, there? I'd put Constantine there. All right. Well, we're agreeing a lot on this so far. All right. Now here's mine. That's my actually shock you in this one. Um, the next series finale that I had to go with on the on our rankings here, uh, I'd put Arrow next. You're going to be shocked because I've done the same exact thing. Oh, really? I did the same exact thing only because, and, and this is the whole season for me. It's not just, um, it's not just the finales because the finales were all fantastic. Yeah. I, I put Arrow next because I don't think it was the strongest storytelling as no, last season. It wasn't. And I think that because Arrow's been around longer, it falls victim to that. Now you're, you're not that the whole League of Assassins thing didn't work out. I mean, Ray, the, the Matt Nabel was yeah. fantastic as Raish. Katrina Law was great as Nessa. I loved that whole storyline. But it was just, there was points in the season where there were some annoyances there. Yeah. And, you know, one of uh, them was Katie Cassidy's character in The Canary, and one of my, them was Felicity. Yeah, no, Felicity for me was my biggest complaint of the season. Such a fucking whiner, holy shit! And I love Felicity, but it's uh, there were points where I was literally, literally screaming at my TV saying, It's not about you! Yeah, stop making it about you! It's kind of, you want, oh, you just want, like, Katie Cassidy, somebody to shake her, and like, shut the fuck up! And, and you know, it, what was frustrating is, and we talked to Katrina Law about this, is there's so many strong women on the show. They're all strong women. And when they don't act that way, you're like, wait a minute. You're not supposed to be like this. You need to stop it. It's you like, need to stop what you're doing and like, go back to the way you were. It's kind of like, you know, her and Oliver, if they're, you know, if they're dating, like, what's the next season going to be like? Huh? You, I wanted you to three lemons, Julia, too. Oliver, you can't be making these such rational decisions. 
And, you know, that, was, that was that was creepy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she'd be crying over everything. It's just like, oh my god, they're like, the women on the show are so strong they shouldn't act that way. That Felicity for before the season was very strong. I thought like, well, she was still strong in this season, but there were just but, flashes of that. Yeah, like, what are you doing? No, it wasn't flashes. It was every episode, dude. Where it was like, I can't go was, that far. Yeah, uh, it was something. Almost something was just set her off to tears, and I'm like, the fuck. Like, really? Like, come on. Like, I don't know if I'll go that far with every episode, but there was certainly enough of them to make me go, all right, what are you doing? Well, that, then and you... Horse- same thing with Katie Cassidy and the Canary. Yeah. I mean, I was like, what is wrong with you? I mean, she showed, like, yeah, this thing was like, she would, like, run the battle. It's like, no, don't do this. And it's like, she'd get her ass kicked. And it's just, I mean, granted, it's learning and stuff like that, but still, it's just, it's like, in a sense, right. what are you doing? You gotta be smarter than this. I, I hope that her resolution with Paul Black with her father Captain Lance I hope that's not going to be carrying on to the next season when they're still fighting it's like come on I think I think what you're going to see at the beginning of next season is they're going to be going to meetings together again I think that's it, what's going to happen Yeah. Uh, because remember he falls off the wagon the finale so yeah. uh, well we find out that he did so I think that that's going to be a focal point so I, it's surprisingly enough, it's not that I had and I still love the entire season of Arrow it's just that and then if the- I'm ranking that if I'm ranking him that way I need to be honest and, and do it the proper way. And as much as we pounce on them, the flashbacks really had nothing to do. I, I'm sorry. There's no more. There should be no more flashbacks no, they from need here to, on out. Well, not for Oliver anyway. I mean, if you want to do like Diggle or something, give us a little more backstory would, on another yeah, character. Like a, like a backstory on Diggle and his yeah. Argus days. If you, if you want to do that, that's fine. But I agree. The Oliver flashbacks need to stop. And I, yeah. and I don't think they will because it's get to the point now where it's a little ridiculous. So I, yeah. I agree. That's another reason I would have put it below the show that I would put next. And that is Gotham. Really? You put Gotham next. I put Gotham next because again, there was linear storytelling where there was an outline theme throughout, but it was always in the back of your mind. They didn't throw it in your face. And the way, like you said, each character was allowed to develop over their own pace when, where it didn't seem like everything was all thrown together. I just thought the way to manage all that and keep it interesting and keep the storytelling fresh, I think was, it was great, especially the Joker reveal. That whole thing was just amazing to me. Yeah. uh, For me, I'm going to kind of shock you on this. I'm going to go with Daredevil. Wow. Uh, Mostly because, yeah, yes, the season was, was phenomenal. The first season was great. However, the finale, for basis on finales, the finale didn't have me going, oh shit, the way the Gotham finale did. Okay. There are okay. scenes in the Gotham finale where we're talking about like where Fish Mooney shoots and kills Maroney and everything else going on there, where I literally yelled, oh shit! Mm-hmm. And in Daredevil, I didn't have those moments. I had happy moments, but I didn't have any... Yeah, like, 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 team talk about this now. No, I know what you mean. I know like, exactly. I, what I don't you talk mean. about this now. The finale in my head, not everything sticks in my head. I yeah. can't remember the finale vividly. Is you know, the way it's funny. I, Gotham. I actually thought we were, I forgot we were including Daredevil. Yeah. <laughs> so I would put Daredevil third. Too late. No, too fucking late. You put Gotham there. All right. Well, I'll just leave it that way then because Daredevil was still awesome. Yeah. I mean, as far if you're going to go start to finish through the season, again, it was a limited run, but. It made me want to. It made me want to power through it in one yeah. sitting, even though that was an unrealistic thing. It made me want to power through it. So I guess the only thing left is number one, and it clearly we agree that it's the Flash. Well, remember I didn't get my number two. Well, it has to be Gotham. It's the only thing left. It could be. It could be Flash. It's not. 
It's not Go Flash. Ahead, it. It's not Flash. Come it's on. Gotham. Gotham's number two. Gotham's number two for the reason I just said. Number one, yes, it is the fucking Flash. It, it can't not be because so many moments... Even with so the many one, feels. even with the one-shot villains like Bug-Eyed Bandit and stuff like that, and all the puns which I loved, um, even with the one-shot villains, it was fantastic. Bringing Firestorm in for me, that was another thing that I just loved, and just the evolution of Barry's character in general, and your love of Wentworth Miller, love of Wentworth Miller, love of Tom Cavanaugh. It's like Greg Bertinelli and the guys got together and said. Who are some of James Witham's favorite <laughs> that guy? Who are some of his favorite that guy actors? Let's put them all in one show and let's just let his joy That's, just overwhelm him. This is a man who doesn't get who gets three hours of sleep a week and whose son pees in his face all That's the time right. to change his diaper. <laughs> let's give him something. Let's give him something, make his life worthwhile. <laughs> let's give him something. And they're and they're all going to be back. It looks like in some way, shape, or form. So yeah. I, I I love that. And it's just the the humor was there. the 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 dark moments were there when they needed to be. It was just overall big picture. Such a great show. Here's a question. Now we didn't really get a full body shot of her. We did see like from the chest to the head. Uh, what are your thoughts on how Killer Frost looks in that small sh- image we got of her? Definitely different from a lot of the uh, versions of Killer Frost you see in the comics, I think that it looks like they're going to go more of a classic look, which there's nothing wrong with that. She I just had, think it was an interesting choice. Well, people haven't, who maybe haven't seen it yet, or maybe, you know, maybe it, they saw it, you know, or maybe they didn't you see didn't it. You didn't realize that's what you yeah, were seeing. Yeah, you were seeing. She, okay, picture, she kind of reminded me a lot of Sue Storm. She looked a lot like Sue Storm. Yeah. She had the blonde hair going. Uh, she, you know, she kind of looked like she had the blue suit going. She reminded me a little bit, or actually a lot, of the look of Sue Storm in the Fantastic Four outfit. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, if you look at some of the other, if you go through Killer Frost and the images, if, if you were just to, like, Google it, you do see a lot of the longer hair Killer Frost. Uh, the blonde hair was the, was the interesting choice, because obviously her, in most incarnations, her hair is more of a bluish tint, so, you know, I don't know if they're going to go that route or not, but if you look at the older versions... Of Killer Frost, if you go back in the DC universe, and I mean back, though the version that you saw in this in the Flash is the version that looks like we're gonna get. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we'll see. We had, like I said, the Flash. I mean, the way it ended, and you know, in the finale when Barry jumps out of that time portal and breaks mm-hmm. the time machine and punches Eobard in the face, exactly. like I'm just like it had a lot of like great moments, and then when he goes in the Back into the past, see future Barry he has the current Flash suit with the white emblem and everything else, and you're like, "Oh my god!" Like I can't wait for the future. And then Iris, pretty much realizing and being comfortable with being Iris West Allen one day. Mm-hmm. You and know, there's just there were so many moments. Yeah, all the fight scenes, the the effects were not cheap at all. They the, the when the effects needed to be there, they were there. Yeah. So the worry of that was gone, and just. The funny moments with Cisco and his nerdy moments on the show and the references that he would throw out. It was just, there was fan service. There were great fight scenes. It had everything you wanted. And how can we forget Grodd, dude? Oh, gosh. How they managed to get Grodd. You want to talk about really good effects, the way they did Grodd. Wow, dude. And And that was a challenge in itself that I'm glad 
that they were able to take up. And I think I feel like this was a challenging episode for us taking on all this. So I think yeah. this is time when we need to let things come to a little bit of a close. <laughs> I think so, especially when we did a whole weekend at Tidewater oh, Comic Con. Which thank you so much if you came out to see us at Tidewater Comic Con. We do appreciate that. And we appreciate all the likes that you were giving us on Facebook at yes. Facebook.com slash down and nerdy. Ended up being a big week for us. So again, we really appreciate that. Exactly. So there are ways you can reach us. Here at Down Nerdy, of course, we are on Facebook, facebook.com slash Down Nerdy. We're on Twitter at Down Nerdy 757. I'm on Twitter at Merck with one arm, James. I'm at James Ace with them. And we actually have a phone number now that you can call and leave your fan questions for. We want to do our fan questions episode here pretty soon. And if you leave your fan questions on this on this line, we'll actually play them on the show. So here's the number. It's 757 512 and you just leave a message with your fan question or any comments that you want to have about the show, and we'll use it. That's what it's there for. Yeah. and yeah, ex- Yes, exactly. That's what it's there for. So I know a lot of people are actually excited. I actually got a couple of messages from people saying, oh, my God, like you guys finally have a number I can call. Exactly. I mean, if you're more comfortable with email, you can still do down and podcast at gmail.com. So if you want to do email, we won't, we won't fault you for that. Exactly. Did you, did you say your Twitter name too? Yes, I did. You did okay, uh, but yeah, those are the ways you can contact us, get a hold of us. Of course, you know, again, we want to thank Bob or Fancy Escape for just having us and, and helping us get mm-hmm. to TywaterCon this past weekend. We had a lot of fun, and I will leave you with this because I have to go rest my voice for the next week and a half or two weeks <laughs> until the next show. Oh, definitely. Oh, dear Jesus! Uh, practice safe comic book reading, people. Always bag and board your comics. <laughs>